Stop masturbating to midget porn. It's time for the intellectual saviors. With your hosts, Michael. So if they're wearing short skirts and fuck me pumps, it, they're an excuse from the law. You can still just bang the shit out of them. You don't have to get consent. Eric. Don't have to think for myself. I love it. All I have to do is eat and poop and sleep. And box. When I'm all alone, oh, I'm sorry, <clears throat> my bad. When I'm paranoid, I'll be host. Fucking shit cocking. I told you guys this is gonna suck balls. There are three guys who are fighting the good fight. If your definition of a good fight is sitting on your ass while drinking and cussing into a microphone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Intellectual Saviors. I am one of your hosts, Eric. And I am Michael. And I am Boggs. Yes. And I just want to apologize Michael's for having to relive Mike that is so shit fucking loud. I just yelled, that's why. Well, no, it's because when we were doing the interview, you had your mouth Hello. way out here like this while you are talking to her, so I had to turn up your mic. Uh, and now you're right here fucking on it, like, giving it a blowjob. Right? Giving it a blowjob. You know what? Giving it a motherfucking well, in my defense, the reason that is is because we're doing the Skype, so the computer's set up a few feet away, so I'm just talking loud, so I backed off the mic so I could She can you know, still talk hear loud. you just fine. I know, dude. I, always I had get my weird. back towards the computer, and she could hear me. I always get weird about that, though, with the mic. Like, I feel like I got to... No, you'd be I actually, surprised how honestly, much that picks up. Actually, if you remember hey. when I did the interview with Victor Stinger, oh, like, he was having a hard time hearing me because I was so close to the computer, it was distorting my voice, so I had to back away from it. Like a good distance, More than I had that, to be Eric, like five feet away. Was the computer where it is right now when you did the interview? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he was just trying to look at her. Oh no, no, the we didn't we didn't have the video. Yeah, the video's off. We do that Damn. on purpose so the quality's better. That's right. We're all about quality on this show. Yes, quality. <laughs> so, I think my clip basically took that statement and shat on it. Well, it depends on what you mean by quality. I don't know, dude. I think our audio quality is pretty good. It's, yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, it's definitely it's better good. than it was in originally are you talking yeah. about the pilot i mean just the first few well until we got the and new not calling anybody out so. but you know some guests that we had on they were a couple of weeks ago and they were like yeah it's, it's kind of amazing every time i come over just watch you guys set up because you guys have so much shit and ours are just <laughs> usbs into mics it's like well you can tell the difference oh. not calling anybody out ouch i'm just kidding i love those guys it's not like we're completely <clears throat> professional set up but i was about to say yeah i'm just not but it's, I think uh, it's just because we have the equipment. Like, if they had the equipment just on hand, they'd probably use it. Oh, uh, yeah. No, but no. <laughs> it is not really. You don't know that. Have you seen them? Have you seen I know, all but of that, them? that doesn't mean that the, if they had There's the one equipment. one thin one. That's the first But problem. you're also asking people who aren't musicians, who aren't going to, like, record Brad's stuff. Brad's a musician? Brad knows everything that I do about. Dude, they actually, got, well, no, he doesn't. He Brad, doesn't know shit. Yeah, they play I'm, ukulele on their show. show. I was about to say something really bad about Well, no, I guess he said it on his podcast, so it doesn't matter. Brad's stealing magic cards, okay? Yeah, I know. <laughs> At what point do you think he's going to buy audio equipment? Just saying. You can't. You could probably fit one of those in one of those tubs. <laughs> audio this, gear? Well, Walmart doesn't have this the is, kind of audio gear think, that we got. This that, is what a no. dick I am. Brad put a post on his Facebook saying that he was looking for a part-time job, and if anybody had suggestions, I put Walmart greeter. Oh. oh. <laughs> what did he say? He just fucking liked it. <laughs> <laughs> surprised, that's awesome. surprised he didn't tell me to go fuck myself. Well, I mean, he, he probably he put it out there. He said it on their podcast. So, to be fair, right? he did make it public info. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he can't get upset about it. Well, 
And he's probably is, actually not upset and, about it. No, he's not. And it is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and call it how it is. I'm more reluctant to play Magic with him now, but it is fucking funny. But anyway, so later on in the podcast, we are going to have an interview from uh, Teresa McBain, um, who's part of the Clergy Project. Yes. Uh, definitely make sure to go to uh, their Facebook page, like them. Um, do they have a Twitter? I don't know if they have a Twitter. Or not. Um, I don't know about Twitter. They but do you have the Facebook page. You can go to theclergyproject.org. I think it is .org. Um, <laughs> God damn it. You're supposed to have this stuff, not me. I'll, we'll, go, we'll go with the, I'll we'll, find it. I'll okay, while well, Eric looks that up, uh, since you guys are already on your computers now trying to find this, uh, go, ahead and, uh, oh! go, ahead, go ahead and add us on to the Facebook and uh, the Twitter We're at the Intel Savers. Be sure to say hello. We have an email, intelsavers at gmail.com. If you feel a little frisky and you've been having a little bit too much to drink and you want to take some pictures of yourselves, go ahead and send those on in. We'll appreciate it. And uh, also, please go to iTunes, type in Intellectual Saviors, and subscribe to our podcast, rate it, and comment. Yes, that was right. Theclergyproject.org. There you go. But you can go there. You won't be able to join them unless you're a pasture. Um, a pasture? Pasture. You know, cows like the Rome in the pasture. Right. Religious cows. Unless you're part of the clergy <laughs> or part of <laughs> any other faith. Um you won't be able to join, but you can contribute if you think that what they are doing is a good thing, which I believe it is. Yeah, and you could check it out. And, of course... Essentially, they're helping ministers and so on who are either losing their faith or have lost their faith kind of cope with the realities of that. Because, um, obviously, that's a difficult decision uh, for anybody, but for... Somebody who's leading a congregation, I'm pretty sure it weighs pretty heavily on their mind. Yep. And it probably confuses the fuck out of them. And they probably have some really, really bad thoughts. And, <clears throat> and not only that, but, you know, they probably just suppress the thoughts that they have just simply because they don't have an outlet. You know, they, their, their fear of actually just questioning, you know, that could potentially lead to them being outed in their church and then their entire life's work is just gone and their families and yeah and their families and friends just abandon them <clears throat> so no, i've never actually uh i guess we've talked about this a few times but apparently i did this like totally wrong i was supposed to just not say shit to any of my family members when i was like yeah i'm probably not really christian and uh that's how most people do it just out of fear but i mean with my brazen attitude i say fuck that you gotta let people know we're going to start our and own support you get, group. You get to figure the, out the true colors of people once yeah. you actually show them who you really are. We're going to call it the Boggs Project. <laughs> We're going to set the, the point form. of this. So everybody, it's when for, they come out. They yeah, can, it's for people, you know, it'll be a private forum just like the clergy project. And they'll be able to kind of talk family about their members. family yeah. issues and stuff because of their well, mama don't like loss me no of faith more I don't or like God. their questioning of their faith. My mama don't like me no more because I stopped making the priest touch me. So... <laughs> Um, God damn it. That one derail you a little bit? I, I want to get into I want to do the interview quick. I, I could think before, but I'll just throw this. I got the one little thing I want to talk about real quick because we got some stuff I want to talk about on the other side. Um, just real fast because Columbus Day is coming up. I just saw this. I thought this was pretty funny because I saw this thing the other day and they were talking about why the fuck do we still celebrate Columbus Day? And I kind of think that myself, but I don't care. Any holiday, I get a fucking day off work. Like, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm like, whatever, dude. I don't give a shit, you know. Yeah, come on. It was great. It was great. But I, I thought this was Michael's interesting. I didn't even realize this. I mean, it's a federal fucking holiday, but yes. um, there's a ton of states that have, like, gotten rid of it. Like, they don't celebrate it anymore. 
And it's so like, like their government workers don't get the day off. I guess not. I thought it was a federal holiday though. Well, maybe they get the day off, but the states don't recognize it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like they have to give them off because it's federal. I don't know how that so works. So then what about schools? I don't know. I guess they're off. I mean, it's federal, so I guess they have to be. Yeah, but schools are local. But I think it's funny. Like, Seattle just voted to, and this is not just Seattle. This is a couple other places, and there's other states and stuff thinking about taking this up where they're they wanting to redesignate uh, the holiday. And change it from Columbus Day. Like Seattle wants to change it to Indigenous Peoples Day. Ooh, okay. yeah. To reflect, I can, the, I can dig that. To I reflect the actual it. Native Americans that were here way before Columbus came that to got the country, slaughtered. Yeah, or got diseases from from Columbus <laughs> from everybody coming over. You know, maybe they should stop fucking them. Fucking and, STD carrying pieces thing, of shit. No, please, not sir, STDs. Please. It's germs, man. Germs. Yeah, they didn't have. You that. don't think STDs are part they didn't of germ culture? The, no. Yeah, well, they gave them STDs too. Did, I guess, the I influenza that they had culture. over in Europe was different from the influenza that they had over here. Actually, I, I don't even you. know if they had influenza over here. I went really far for that. I don't know, but they brought over their fucking nasty disease again. No, they brought over smallpox blankets and shit and fucking killed them. Yep. But, I think that um, was actually the U.S. at that point, right? The Trail of Tears with the smallpox yeah, blankets. Yeah, that, that was that. I'm, you know, I'm just saying. Right. I'm sure the same type of shit. He's so good at history. But it is only the fact that Columbus, like, why the fuck does he get celebrated anyway? He wasn't even he was the first of, one. He wasn't even the first one here, and he was a piece of shit. Yeah, the fucking Vikings were here, like, centuries way, way before yeah. him even. But it's kind of funny. They said that the only thing about this redesignation they're trying to get, and it was voted unanimously uh, in, in Seattle to It was voted what? Unanimously. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. I was waiting on you. What to, if, I was waiting on you to do it. Okay, I'll allow that since we both jumped on Eric. Yeah. <laughs> fucking pasture. But goddamn you, just let me do this, motherfucker. <laughs> but it, the funny thing is, the Italians are pissed off now because they say that uh, it, this is a big historical celebration for Italian Americans to celebrate Columbus Day, so they feel like they're being shit on. You're gonna piss everyone off. Somebody's gonna be unhappy with every decision you make, up to and including breathing. And nobody. And <clears throat> let me just say this: being with a German background, fuck the Italians. Fuck them. What have they ever contributed anyway? I mean, well, let's they just were be part honest. Of the axis of evil. What were they known for? Fucking pizza? No. no, they weren't. Yeah, they were. The Italians? No, yeah. they were not. Yeah, they were. Oh, you talking about like World War fucking two? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. I know we both think George W. Bush. Yeah, I'm thinking George W. Bush. No, World War Two, bro. Well, yeah, but Germany was a part of that too. You know, and that's another thing. As a German, fucking Italians turned their backs on them. Pussies. Italians, pussies. If you're an Italian out there, pussy. Wow. You know, I'm just throwing it out. I'm just saying it's true. <clears throat> Fucking yellow. They talk about the French. Fuck it. Are you pretty? Are you pretty butthurt about Hitler then? <sighs> yeah, I'm pretty upset. They turned their back on Hitler. <laughs> he could have taken over. Um, but no. God damn All right. it. And anyway, the podcast so is now I, in the shitter. Anyway, I'm just saying. I thought that. I, I just think that's pretty interesting stuff. So Columbus Day, it's another fucking holiday that we have that makes no fucking sense whatsoever. <laughs> but agreed. Thank God we get it off. Anyway, let's. Uh, you want to go ahead and throw it to the interview, and then we'll come back and we'll Certainly. talk about we'll talk about some really gay Sex. stuff, gay sexual stuff. Okay. All right. This is uh, Teresa McBain. She's the media director for the Clergy Project. Enjoy. All right, Teresa. First of all, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, you know, I kind of stumbled upon the um, concept, the Clergy Project, just by random a couple uh, months ago. I was looking over some stuff. Um, we talk about this all the time about, you know, Christians, you know, like it's kind of the joke, I guess, with us. I don't know. As an atheist now, you probably have heard this, too. You know, the best way to convert a Christian is have them read the Bible kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, I had seen stories about uh, pastors leaving the ministry and stuff because they had kind of come to the conclusion that, you know, they didn't really have that belief anymore, that they'd kind of lost their faith. And um, so then that's how I just kind of stumbled, like doing a little research and stuff. I stumbled on the clergy project and, um, of course, you know, contacted yourself. And I actually looked at your backstory and I think it's pretty interesting. So before we kind of get into the actual clergy project and I have you kind of discuss what that is, uh, I was kind of hoping maybe you could tell us about your background. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to, uh, to share. Um, I grew up, uh, as a lot of people who are, uh, who've left their, their faith. I grew up as a Christian in the South, in the deep South. My dad was a very conservative, very, uh, fundamentalist Baptist pastor. My grandmother used to refer to him as a hard shell Baptist. I'm not quite sure what that means, except that, it, you know, being his daughter, I know he was pretty hard. Um, and instead of taking the the strict discipline and, and church things that were in our lives and, and just rebelling like some kids would do, I didn't. I went completely the opposite. And from a, as early as I can remember, I mean, I just absolutely loved God, loved being in church, didn't, didn't think there was anything else I wanted to do my li- with my life than to serve God. Um, at six years old, I told my dad that I, I felt that God wanted me to be a pastor when I grew up. Of course, my dad told me that that wasn't allowed. Girls weren't allowed to do those types of things. Um, which, you know, understandably, that kind of shook me just a little bit. But in in a weird way, it did not even deter me from continuing this path of trying to be in ministry or finding out exactly what I was allowed to do as a girl. Um, And that really carried with me all through my life. I mean, obviously, I did become a minister eventually. Um, Now, part of that which, you know, in just a few minutes, it's really hard to condense a life's uh, story. But um, I continued in my father's footsteps for many years. Even after I got married, I was still very much a fundamentalist Christian um, in a conservative church, you know, protesting this or that or the other thing. I mean, (laughs) it's funny, in Florida, when we were, my husband was military, we were stationed there and we were a part of this church, and the local convenience store started started selling um, Playboy magazine. So we protested the convenience store until they took the magazines out of their store. <laughs> yeah, so just a little picture there of just how conservative I, I, I really was, you know. Um, but eventually those things slowly, I mean, I can't even tell you when they started to, to drift a little bit. Um, and... I became more liberal. Of course I did. I mean, obviously, I still felt that this call to ministry, that God had given me this call, and in order to do that as a woman, I had to really start taking some jumps with my theology and then trying to pull pieces and parts together to make something that would fit. Um, And it sounds kind of bad when you say it that way, but, you know, if you think about every every religion, not just Christianity, that's pretty much how it goes. Um, You can justify and rationalize most anything you want just by this pick-and-choose method. Um, 
And that's exactly what I did and found myself in ministry, uh, in youth ministry or um, eventually an associate pastor, a student pastor. I mean, just all these different pieces that are part of my story as I continue to move through um, not only finding my way into ministry, but in doing so, becoming more liberal and allowing myself to open up to... And, and like I said, I didn't even realize I was doing it, but I was beginning to allow myself to think in different ways. Of course, the thinking in different ways for me was in order for me to be a pastor. But I think that that subtle layer underneath it was the fact that my mind is opening itself through this whole process. So, and I become a pastor and I'm pastoring a church um, and a non-denominational church, which is definitely more liberal than I was raised, but I felt myself becoming, going even further and further with it, um, which led me into the Methodist church. Um, most Methodist churches, they're not the most liberal denomination out there, but they're pretty liberal. Um, and one of their cornerstones is this this idea that you can think for yourself, that if you don't believe in the virgin birth, okay, that's okay. Some Methodists don't believe in the virgin birth, but it's up to you to decide, you know, to to work through this, this quadrilateral that they give you uh, uh, four different ways that you can use and coming to the conclusions for yourself of what the scripture means to you. So, uh, yeah, I put them to work and they definitely, uh, I've jokingly referred to it as the beginning of the end for me because once you release that... Um, monster, I guess, that's hiding back in the back of my brain that's stuffed away all these questions and doubts and thoughts and seeming contradictions and all these things that I've seen throughout the years. Once you give it free reign to explore and to research and to dig in, I mean, then, at least for me, that was really the turning point. So, um, so you wouldn't say, I mean, it wasn't just the Bible itself, like, I mean, there's a lot of, like we know, there's a lot of contradictions and stuff in the Bible. Like you said, there's a lot of picking and choosing. And I imagine a lot of pastors do that based on more their political beliefs. They'll kind of tend to tell the stories a little bit more to fit that. But Oh, yeah. So yeah, saying, definitely. So it wasn't just maybe the, the scripture itself, but also from going from a really conservative church to more liberal and seeing the way that they kind of did things that kind of helped along. Like you already had the questions and you're like, okay, well, this is the way I grew up. And then you have this other church and they're teaching a little different. And I've, I've been to Baptist and Methodist churches, so I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, you know, that was part of it. But uh, the Bible was a huge part of it for me. Uh, because, I mean, you've been to a Baptist church, you know, the Baptists really do worship the Bible. Um, it's the Word. It's the inerrant, infallible Word of God. Um, you know, basically the belief is that they opened up the pages of, you know, the blank pages of a book and God put His finger down and wrote it all out for everybody. Um, so, yeah, deconstructing that that biblical theology, that, that Bible piece was enormous. Um, once I did that part and came to the place, like you said, where I'm, where I'm in this extremely liberal, almost progressive Christian place, um, then the Bible just vanished for me, not overnight, but, but pretty quickly. I mean, when you think about 
decades of your life spent following this one way and, and living this one way to being released so that you can actually, and I guess in reality, you just deconstruct it all. Um, that's five, six years. That's a short amount of time, you know. Uh, but yeah, once the Bible, that whole thought process of, okay, this is not the inerrant Word of God. It's not infallible. It is full of contradictions. It is full of errors. The beginning, the process of narrowing down, okay, well, what is actually real in here? Um, led me to the point of, well, nothing's real. You know, the Bible can't be real. And the Bible talks about hell. And hell is just absolutely the the most horrible idea anybody ever came up with. I mean, really, you know, extreme, unending torture just because you're given what's average life age, lifespan now, 78 years, 80 years maybe? Sure about that. Yeah, 80 years to find this extremely elusive being who has written some, t some kind of a treasure map that the that the paths don't even line up. You know, the X that marks the spot keeps moving from one place to the other. Um, you know, 80 years, you can't find it. No, well, I'm so sorry. We're going to torment you and torture you. We're going to send you to hell and let Hitler uh, perform those um, experiments on you for the rest of, well, however long eternity is, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've kind of always found that funny about religion, how they, they talk about how loving they are and how much they care about humans and all this stuff and then they do such terrible things to people who don't believe in them it's it's always yeah. seemed like a complete contradiction in my mind to be so loving yet so hateful and so mean yeah and you know i've been there and it comes from superiority i mean i would have never thought or even considered the fact that while i was in that mindset that i was an arrogant person with a religious superiority complex, but that's absolutely the truth. Uh, you know, when you believe that not only is Jesus the only way, but my Jesus and my Jesus way is the only way, and your Jesus and your Jesus way, which is a Catholic Jesus way, is wrong, and you're a cult and you're going to hell. I mean, you know, that that's pretty arrogant. Um, and so, yeah, it, it is a perfect breeding ground for hate, uh, and persecution of anybody who just takes a minute step off that path. Um, and I've done that. I've been that person. I was going to say, you know, that's one thing about being, you know, like, you know, of course, both of us, but we're both atheists as well. And I think it's, you know, and living, we're in Texas, of course, and it's, you know, we're church on every corner. I mean, it's just the way it is. So, you know, putting it out that you're atheist, it's like you do get that look. It does. It, it is funny how people do. Oh, you don't believe, and they. It's real condescending, and they kind of all talk to you like a child. Like, oh, how you don't? How did you not believe? And so I'm sure, like, especially it had to have been ten times worse though for yourself. I imagine coming out. I mean, after being a minister for all these years and being so heavily involved in the church, and then you know coming to this declaration and then putting it out there, I can't imagine what it was like on your side. Yeah, I mean, it, coming out was terrifying, and actually being out a lot of times is still terrifying, uh, or maybe not terrifying, it's just, uh, I don't know exactly the right word for it, but it's isolating. It can um, be uncomfortable, that's the way I it, always like to put yeah, it. Yeah, definitely always, uncomfortable. Always, yeah. always feel like you have to defend yourself, you know, when it comes up. 
Exactly. And people with whom you've had relationships, some of them for your entire life, just gone like that. Um, now, is that saying that I regret being out and being open? No, I don't regret it. But, you know, for me anyway, I can't just turn off the switch somewhere that says, this person was in my life for 20 years. I cared deeply about that person. Well, there's no switch for me that says, I don't care about them anymore because they did these these things to me. Um, you know, I, I don't understand it. I don't hate them. I'm really disappointed, really disgusted and angry. Yeah, but at the same time, and I miss them. Um, and I'll think about that sometimes and think about just why it has to be that way. Why? I I'm the same exact person. I just happen to have different views in this area of faith and religion. But, uh, you know, you both know as well as I do, as well as the majority of the people who are going to be listening, who are listening to the podcast, that that's, that's reality. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very unfortunate. Um, the only thing that I kind of, I guess the solace that I can find myself in is that if, if that's such a simple thing, you know, they should be more loving to me than ever, as far as I'm concerned, if that's the way that they truly believe, they truly believe their religion. Uh, so the people that reject me because of my status, um, I, A, don't need them in my life, <laughs> and B, I'm almost happy that I kind of showed my true colors because it shows their true colors as a person, that they're not willing to accept me just because of my belief. Um, and I yeah. have been fortunate. I do have a couple of really good friends uh, who are both Christian, and they really don't hassle me about it. They don't really bother me about it. They just accept it for what it is and just, you know, they just they know I'm a good person still, that I haven't changed, that I'm not different. It's just I don't have that aspect of my life anymore. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I have some people in my life that are that are like that, that they were there you know, the whole time. Um, and never shunned me uh, at all. And then I've got a few people that over the past few years have contacted me and said, you know, at first this was the way we felt and that was wrong. And even though we don't agree with you, some even say, you know, we're praying for you, but we appreciate, you know, who you are. We love who you are and we still want to have a friendship with you. It's interesting trying to... Uh, work around that one thing and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but you know I'm, I'm just happy that they at least made the effort compared to I don't even know how many others that that I haven't heard a word from I mean they didn't have the decency to call me up and say you know screw you you're a heretic uh, you're apostate you did all these things and you're horrible and I hate you and I don't ever want to see you again well and I'm pretty sure that those feelings are uh, from other people, those feelings are just amplified simply because of your, you know your status before you came out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty simple when you're just a regular Christian running around to say I'm an atheist now, but it's a whole another ball game when you actually had a congregation and are yeah. now saying it. <laughs> oh yeah, and you know I get that. I do. I com I completely understand their thought processes, their behavior. You know that's a different story. But and you know for me when I've I didn't realize exactly what was happening to me you know, four or five years ago. I just knew something was happening to me, and it scared me to death because 
here I am, you know, I'm this, this pastor, I'm a, a very strong, mature Christian. I can, I know the Bible back and forth. I've read it, you know, a gazillion times. And all of a sudden, things are changing, and they're changing quickly. And then you fast forward a little bit, and I realize what's happening, or at least I'm pretty sure that what's happening is that um, I'm losing my faith. Probably at that time, I felt I was becoming an agnostic. Um, and that really just scared me, shocked me, disgusted me, tormented me. Uh, and, I, and no matter how hard I tried to make it not true, it wouldn't go away. Uh, you know, I'd fight it. Uh, there was this enormous tug of war going on between these two parts of me. <laughs> you know, uh, this is true. This is what's happening. This is the reality. Accept it. Move, move forward. The other part is no, 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 no. That can't be true. You're you're having a just a, going through a rough time. Things will get better. You just need to pray more. Um, but you know, obviously, that didn't really work. So uh, <laughs> you know. Or I wouldn't be here on the show tonight. Um, I, I was going to say, and that's, uh, I guess this is good enough a good time. We can go into the, the clergy project now, which is, um, which of course you're the media director for, which is, you know, like I said, how I got in contact with you. I looked up this information and then I saw that you would, which I kind of assumed, of course, you'd be in a part of the project that you'd been through the, this past and you had that background. So like you're saying now, converting from a minister to an atheist, coming from that where you're in charge of a congregation, they look for you for that spiritual support and everything and then all of a sudden you're out on them and uh, like you said you kind of had to find yourself i mean you had these fill-ins how did you discover the clergy project and how did you get involved with it um i was in the middle of this intense struggle i had already come to the conclusion that i was an agnostic and i could own that that was even though it was really tough for me to say it i knew it was there the other big A word was just something I could not manage um, just because it's so evil, you know, <laughs> all those years of programming. But um, I, I didn't believe in God at that point. Um, and, of course, as a traditional agnostic, I, I didn't know and I didn't think you could know. No one could know. Uh, so uh, I was working on the sermon plans for the upcoming Easter season, which wasn't, well, no, no, sorry, the upcoming Christmas season in the Methodist Church, it's Advent, and it's a long period of time. Um, and at the same time, I, I knew these things inside me, and I knew what was going on, and so just in desperation, I went on the internet and typed Dan, uh, not Dan Barker, I typed, <laughs> I found Dan Barker by typing pastors who feel they're losing their faith. And uh, Dan Barker's book, Godless, came up, uh, which I downloaded onto my Kindle, and I read the book. I, I don't. It was extremely fast, a couple hours at at bet, you know, tops. Um, and in every page of his story, I read my story. Uh, true, the the places and and situations were a bit different for each of us, but the the process was the same. I mean, just his struggle, my struggle, trying to rationalize it, trying to make it go away, then attempting to come to terms with it, and then of course for him, the steps afterwards. Um, and I had no idea who this guy was. I didn't know that he was Dan Barker. I just thought he was some guy who was a preacher who lost his faith and 
came out and now writes books. Um, so I found the information uh, to get in touch with him, and um, I did, you know, and he sent me, uh, we talked, and I shared the long version of my story, not the short version that, uh, that I'm sharing with you guys tonight, but uh, he told me at the end of this conversation that there was this brand new uh, support group of sorts called the Clergy Project. It hadn't even been announced publicly at this point. It was, I mean, it was just in its infancy. And he, he shared, you know, the Clergy Project is basically, it's just an online forum, a secure forum for folks like you and, and other pastors who no longer believe. Um, you can log on and talk with other people. You'll be anonymous, completely anonymous. I had a fake name and a fake email address. And... Um, You'll find people who are just like you uh, that you can talk to that that can support you, that can encourage you. That you know, you it's a peer network type of uh, peer support type of organization. So uh, I felt like that this was absolutely the greatest thing since sliced bread for me because you know it's always so cliche for somebody to say I didn't think there was anyone else out there like me. You know, logically, we know that that's not true. But when you're in the midst of that kind of torment and and just stress and anguish and difficulty, the rational part of your brain slips away for a bit, and you do feel like you're the only one struggling with this, and that you're the, just this this cursed person. Um, and so, to actually be able to go on this site and find fifty five, sixty people just like me. It was absolutely a, pardon the term, it was a godsend. Because <laughs> uh, there I could put down, typing, of course, everything I was feeling, knowing that I wasn't going to be judged. No one was going to tell me, oh, you're crazy for that. Whether it was crazy for thinking that there was no God or, or just crazy for the way I was trying to process all the information. Because, you know, here I am. I'm I'm brand new at this. I don't, of course, I, mean, I didn't even know who Dan Barker was. I mean, how much am I really going to know about uh, the movement called atheism? Um, so, and that's what the Clergy Project is. It It gives that place, that safe place, that safe space for active clergy persons who are still in the ministry and are in the same place that I was in, and for those who are former pastors, like myself now, who've come out, who can be there to not only encourage and support those who are still actives, but you know, we still have struggles. I still struggle sometimes. And, and just like I was sharing with you guys earlier, those relationships that I lost, they still come up and bother me. And I know that the Clergy Project is a place I can log on, I can write it out, post the, the, the thread, and people will come back and, and, and talk to me and say, you know, I'm right there with you. I don't have any answers, but I know what you're going through. Or I've been there. I know how it feels, and this is how I worked through it and what helped me. So for those reasons, I think, you know, the Clergy Project, um, yeah, it's unique. Of course, it's limited 
in its focus for for non-believing clergy, but it's absolutely necessary um, for these men and women who are in such a, a such just a hard place in their life, you know. Well, definitely, like I said, I mean, just the fact, like, it has to be a very small amount of people, and I, I think I saw. I mean, you know, of course better than I do. Um, like you said, when you first got on, there was like 50 or 60 people. You guys, last the numbers I were seeing, like you have over like 600 members now, active members. Yeah, is, yeah. Is, is that about right? 619. So that's, yeah. that's pretty, that's a pretty good amount considering. And um, like I was telling Eric before the show started, I saw it um, the other day. I mean, usually it's probably smaller ones like yourself, smaller congregation stuff, but I saw up in Canada where, um, pastor named bob Ritt, um, ripley came mm-hmm. out uh, i'm sure you probably saw this too he's supposed to be yeah. like one of the pastors of the largest um, protestant congregation in canada he came out as an atheist yeah yeah he did he was the uh pastor i don't know exactly when he resigned but um i think it has been a little bit of time but regardless he was the pastor of one of the largest churches in canada and came out through a book that he wrote um, publicly as an atheist. I, I'm not sure. I don't think he's a clergy project member, but, uh, you know, now that he's out publicly, he can share that if he, if he wants to. But, uh, yeah, and another gentleman that was a former pastor hit my Facebook page today, Bart Campolo, whose dad is Tony Campolo, who's a, an evangelical Christian author that, I knew very well. I read his books. He was a funny narrative style writer that could say things, tough things in a way that would just get across to people. And uh, I respected his dad a lot. And I respect him too. I mean, how tough is that to not only be a pastor and come out, but to to kind of be a famous pastor's son and, and come out, you know, it's, Every time you turn around, it's like you're seeing another story of another pastor who's stepping up and saying, hey, this is me. And, uh, you know, it makes me feel kind of proud because Jerry DeWitt and I in Mike House in 2012, um, along with Dan Barker, who came out many years before us, but the three of us, Clergy Project members, we kind of jumped out there in the middle of nothing you know literally took this leap of faith into a dark chasm that that we didn't know where we were going to land or what it was going to look like or feel like or anything and because of that the clergy project has been all over the media pastors after i came out in 2012 in the spring at the american atheist convention um shortly after that npr cnn the Huffington Post, USA Today, you name it, they picked up the story. And so it was all over the news. Shortly, I guess maybe within days of that happening, the clergy project started getting hundreds of applications by pastors saying the same thing I had said. We didn't know that there was anyone out there like us. Um, So that's pretty good growth. I mean, the, you know, grow it tenfold in just a couple years time. I mean, like I said, it's pretty niche so that's that's pretty good growth, I think, for just, I mean, the site's been up really running for just a couple of years. Or, or. Oh, yeah, from 52 to, I, I just looked at the stats real quick on the site, there's 640. 640. Um, so that's 
since March of uh, 2011 is when it officially launched through October 7th. So not even three years. Um, I saw on the site that um, you guys are affiliated with um, like the Richard Dawkins Foundation and I can't remember one of the other humanist organizations. Did they get involved after the fact or were they kind of a part of the startup with Dan? Yeah, it's um, it's part of the, the founding of the organization. Basically, in 2006, Dan Barker and Richard Dawkins meet together at this conference in Iceland. Um, Dan gives a talk, and, and as a part of this talk, you know, he shares his story about becoming an atheist, being a preacher to an atheist. And uh, Richard Dawkins listened to it. And the story moved him. He just couldn't believe that this kind of situation existed in the plight of these pastors, these men and women who no longer believed and wanted to do something to help. But, you know, in 2006, there just wasn't a solution that presented itself. So, you know, time passes. Um, neither of the two men forget about the conversation, but, you know, just kind of continue to, to think about it, still looking for some type of solution to present itself. And in the meantime, Dan Dennett and Linda Lascola conduct a study in 2010 called Preachers Who Are Not Believers. Um, they worked with Dan Barker to find some pastors who could be potential participants because, you know, over the years, a lot of pastors like me had contacted Dan and shared their story, and, and he kept in contact with them, uh, you know, collected some of their stories with permission. And so those participants, along with some others that Dan and Linda found, became that first group of the study of preachers who are not believers. Well, the four of these people, Richard Dawkins, Dan Barker, Dan Dennett, and Linda Lascola, kind of converge together in, in what you could call a perfect storm and start the initial conversations that lead in just a year to the formation of the clergy project. Um, most of the original members came out of that study. There were there were others of us that, that came from other places, but... <clears throat> Richard Dawkins fronted the money for the the forum for the private forum, and his the Richard Dawkins Foundation continues to support that part of the the organization financially. Um, Dan Barker is actually on the board and is a member, as he is a former pastor. You know, Linda and Dan and Richard, of course, they're not members; they were never pastors, um, and so they. Consequently, they're not on the, the forum either, but um, just the four of those people, I mean, that's where it came out of, is just these conversations and this growing awareness of, of um, pastors who've lost their faith and four people who wanted to do something to make a difference, you know, to, to offer support and help. Um, so that's, that's kind of how not only Dawkins, but uh, Dan Barker and, the, and Dennett and Lascola fit into the picture as well. Well, like I said, I think just looking around, because I've seen a few other stories lately where, you know, pastors will come out and, you know, they've kind of 
come out of the closet, so to speak, with their either agnosticism or atheism. So, I th- like I said, I was just kind of looking over some stuff, and I came upon it, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's like an online, like, AA meeting for pastors, you know, stand up, you know, hey, I'm pastor, yeah, and yeah. such and such, you know, I used to be a Christian. And, exactly. <laughs> you know. I mean, I don't, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's not a boys club. Uh, I started to say it was. It's not a boys club because they're men and women as well. The majority of the ones who are out publicly and are speaking or being interviewed uh, are men. I'm obviously not a man. And then uh, there's another lady who is out and open. Um, She was a Catholic chaplain, I believe. Uh, But besides that, there's, there's really, I don't think there's any other females that are former former pastors, female clergy project members that are that are out in the public eye. So, uh, you know, that's kind of interesting for me. Um, I'm used to living in a guy's world, obviously, growing up in church and even being a pastor. It's, uh, it's a boys club. But uh, the good thing is, is in the, the free thought movement, that's not so much of an issue. Uh, I've been treated well and respected and been given the opportunity to speak at many, many conferences and interviewed and uh, podcast radio shows, even, you know, national press. So uh, for that, you know, I, I'm extremely grateful to the free thought community for being more open. Um, Do you find to, that, um, oh, I'm sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Um, no, 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 go ahead. Do you find that a lot of the members that are part of the clergy project have kind of the same storyline that you do as far as their kind of uh, jump towards atheism or losing their faith, um, i.e. like they actually just started to read the Bible and figure out exactly how they had to cherry pick in order to kind of form to whatever kind of Christianity they wanted it to be and realize that it's a load of crap? Or do you? Yeah. is it kind of all varying and there's some people that just have circumstances that pop up that kind of drive them towards that atheism? You know, they're, they're common threads to all of our stories, and which, by the way, we have um, numerous religious groups that are in the clergy project. Um, you know, Muslim, Jewish, uh, obviously Christian. Christian is the majority, but Buddhist, there, there are a number of them. But regardless of what the, the holy book is, yeah, there are these common threads of just kind of a period of awakening to the fact that you actually can doubt the the actual investigative part, you know, where the doubting and the questioning and uh, the the torment of I shouldn't be doing this, but I am doing this because I have to know, um, and then finally the the acceptance of it. Um, those threads are pretty common throughout everybody's story. Some, yeah, it is. Like me, I'd read the Bible, I'd studied the Bible, you know, from back to front, I had memorized huge chunks of the Bible. But that thing that happens to us sometimes when we're raised in church and raised so strictly to where we can read a story about genocide and we just pass it on by, you know, it doesn't even register in your brain. Um, so at this point, you know, it's registering for me. Others, it was seminary. They, they um, 
went to seminary and it was in seminary that they were taught so many different things and then of course told when they left seminary now mind you these things you can't tell your church members (laughs) (laughs) now i remember being told okay you know when you're here with us we can talk about all these things we can explore these things we can have great conversations about deep philosophical theological truths but when you go to your new church Determine what it is that your church, particular church, believes. You know, what is the theology and, and traditions and such of that congregation in particular? And that's what you believe. That's funny you <laughs> say that because I saw a thing, uh, I read it online. Um, I was on a, God, I can't think of the guy's name. He runs an atheist site. Uh, he's pretty well known. It's like Mehmet something. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Oh, yeah. Him at Meta, probably. Yeah, there you go. Um, mm-hmm. And he had a thing on there about that. Um, like 10 things that, like, you know, preachers learn in seminary and stuff that they're not allowed <laughs> to talk about. And it, like, breaks yeah. all this different stuff down about, you know, how, like, certain parts, of, like, certain books aren't really written by those people. And it's just, it's all this little stuff. It's little information, historical and stuff. <laughs> it's really funny, but I, I'm sure that's what you're talking about. Oh yeah, exactly, and it's more than ten things. I'm yeah, curious. I think he had like it was like a top ten list he put together, but yeah, I'm sure yeah, it's a hundred. Yeah, and it is shocking. I mean, it's for someone. I think even for somebody who, well, I can't say that because there could be somebody who come comes through and they're very liberal, and it's not shocking at all because they're already open. But for me, it was almost devastating uh, to to hear someone say, well, you know, this passage in Isaiah that talks about a virgin will give birth to a son, that word virgin, we don't think it actually means a woman who's never had sex with a man. We think it actually means a young woman. And I'm like, what? (laughs) No virgin birth? (laughs) Yeah. Um, How is that possible? God had to have come upon her with the Holy Spirit. Well, well, heck, who did she have sex with? I don't know. Uh, you know, Joseph would like to know. I know that. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I know. And then you read all the the you learn the historical things and things that people say that uh, you know. Anyway, that could be shows and shows and shows. I won't get <laughs> right. into it. But you just, know, needless to say, it's just shocking uh, to uh, a person who's invested their entire life into this truth and knowing that this truth is the truth, not just truth, but the truth. Absolutely. I just have one last question. Now that you have lost your faith, you're out as an atheist, do you think you're a better person for it? Uh, I think so. Um, Perfect? No. But even knowing that I'm not perfect, that I'm imperfect, that uh, it's easier for me to admit and be honest and about good things, bad things, whatever things, because I don't have to worry about it. Now, I'm not going to burn in hell and there's no gigantic thing <laughs> in the sky that's going to swap me like a fly yeah. for the slightest infraction. Yeah, because I'm uh, not sure how you are with uh, your loss of faith, but with mine, um, I, I was not a good person when I was a Christian. And since I've lost my faith, I've become much more of a humanitarian and I tend to care a lot more about the well-being of everybody, not just my small circle of friends and family. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you finally realize, wait a minute, I can't pray for this person to have food. You know, Lord, send them food on their table. I know that they're 
daddy is out of work, so please send them food. No, if they're going to get food, I have to go to the grocery store and buy it, and then I have to put it in my car and drive it to their house and knock on their door and say, here, I heard you were without a job. Um, You know, or if there's something going on with me, I can't pray it away. I can't have uh, people lay hands on me or any of that stuff. I've got to either go to the doctor or see a therapist or whatever. I'm responsible for it. And I agree with you. When you know that, when you realize that, uh, as they say, the buck stops here, then you take action and you take ownership for it. And it, I mean, it made all the difference in the world for me. It's kind of funny how that works, isn't it? You know, you yeah. preach that gospel, and, you know, I remember back in the day when Eric used to be Christian and stuff. I, I don't remember him being any more douchey than he is now, but, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, it's funny, though, that, you know, but he was more conservative back then. It's funny how you lose that faith and you become more liberal and more of a humanist. I mean, you know, it's that's kind of a thing. I think atheism and humanism kind of go hand in hand. It's kind of a funny thing how that works. You think if you're with God, you'd be more of a humanist. Than without, you know, but it's kind of the opposite. But um, no, I love, I love what you guys are doing. I mean, like I said, like you said, you know, it's a niche thing. It's for specific people. But I mean, it's like yourself. You had to reach out because you needed to have someone that's in your position that can discuss it with you and stuff. And it it worked for you. And I think it's great what you guys are doing. And I'm sure there's many, many more out there that don't know about you guys or where to go. So, um, oh yeah, I'm sure there's some that will hear. A, a news broadcast or stumble upon Facebook page or something and, and not believe it and say, ah, oh, no, this is too risky for me. Um, because it, it is. I mean... Yeah, you lose, is, you lose everything if you get outed like that. So Absolutely. I understand and how it's terrifying. Exactly. If you're in that position, you're thinking to yourself, well, I just, I can't trust anybody. Um and that was me. I didn't. I I didn't talk to anybody, and I didn't know who I could talk to. And people afterwards were like, "Why didn't you talk to me?" I said, "Okay, how is this conversation going to go?" Um, you know, I'm your pastor, and I am the spiritual leader of this 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 flock of this parish. But uh, I don't think I believe any of it anymore. You know, how's that going to go? Obviously, it it's not. It's not going to work at all. So that would you know, have been that, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Great. It would have been worse. <laughs> so that you know, that's the beauty of the clergy project, um, and that's that's why I know all of us who are out and are out in the public, um, uh, like I mentioned, you know, Jerry and Mike House, myself, now Bart Campolo, and this pastor Ripley from Canada. I'm sure I can't speak for them specifically, but I I think just based on knowing them and who they are, they would agree that the reason that we continue to talk about it, the reason we do interviews, the reason we give talks now is so that those other pastors who are out there might hear it. Um, And not not just pastors, but but anybody who is struggling with their faith, anybody who's in a, a, a really bad place and they don't know that there's something like the clergy project for pastors or recovering from religion for those who are not pastors that they could just pick up the phone or log onto the internet and find some support some a community of people that really care and want to help them and want to walk through that that difficult place with them well that's excellent and i 
again, Teresa, I really want to thank you for taking the time. I mean, you gave us a lot of time tonight and appreciate it. And um, Oh, no, my pleasure. I, I truly do. I, um, I appreciate it, and um, I thank you guys for emailing me and, and asking for the interview and uh, anything I can ever do to help you guys with your show or anybody else, you know, just let me know. All right. I appreciate that. Well, like, like I said, again, you know, thanks for the time, and um, and uh, maybe we'll hook you up later on. I'll hit you up and try and get something out of you then since you offered. But, um, okay, no, not a problem. Like I said, Clergy Project um, is a great thing. I'm going to throw – we'll throw our links up, of course, like on our social media, which, yeah, you know, oh, get a little right. – some people see it. <laughs> so. No, no, no. I'll link out to it once uh, once you've got it. Awesome. I'll put it that on my feed now. Of course, it'll go on the Clergy Project Facebook page, too. So uh, Excellent. Uh, we'll get it out there for you. Well, again, thank you, and um, you know, good night. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. And welcome back, <laughs> you fucking dick. <laughs> Why are you talking to our listeners Because like I thought that? you were going to fucking do it, and you're just sitting there. <laughs> smiling <laughs> and waving and <laughs> smiling. All right. Countdown. 15 minutes. Go. <laughs> so anyway the only really big thing to come out i guess over the past few days that we need to hit on this week because we're doing the shows pretty close together we just did the other one like it seemed like four or five days ago so the only big thing was uh just the other day yesterday the supreme court uh decided to okay everybody knows a gay marriage is a big thing all these states were not passing gay marriage and stuff but the um you know they put the bans on it they did the votes and stuff which is of course civil rights oppression basically so lawyers took these um up to the appellate courts and stuff and they went to the federal courts federal courts said no you can't do this civil rights issue gay marriage is legal for now in all these states texas being one of them so a handful of the cases were being kicked up to the next level to the supreme court supreme court looked at them and said Nah, we don't want to touch this. We're going to let the lower level uh, opinions uh, go ahead and stand, which basically said that, you know, this ban on gay matrimony is in these other states is now unconstitutional, which means gay marriage for everybody, right? So that includes the states that were just up were Utah. You think, you know, Utah loves this. Oklahoma, oh, fucking, they're throwing parties in Oklahoma over this fucking ruling. Uh, Virginia, Wisconsin, and Indiana. And then just today, um, Idaho and Nevada went down. Uh, appellate courts overruled uh, their gay marriage bans. <clears throat> so, in just the matter of a couple days, the amount of states that have legalized gay marriage have almost doubled, uh, practically. So now we're up to 35 states, and that makes up over 70% of the United States population right now lives in a state that you can legally get gay married and heads are exploding on the internet today. It was so fucking great <laughs> watching the conservatives just have fucking shit fit. And I love it because they look at it as um, like a civil rights issue for themselves as like they feel like their civil rights are being infringed upon because it's family values. Yeah. God damn it. Cause it's, it's against their religion, <laughs> their religious beliefs. So their poor Christians are being discriminated against again. The fucking gays, they just ruin everything. Look to make electricity work. You had to put the plug in a socket. You can't put two plugs together, two sockets together. It don't work. It's not natural. That's right. It wasn't Adam and, and Steve, right? We all know that. I, I don't hate the gay. 
but a traditional family is a man and a woman, or as I like to call her, my bitch. <laughs> smack, smack her when she gets and out And I of happen line. to like to beat her a little bit. <clears throat> what do you think about that, Boggs? Um, Are you excited? Now we can go up to Oklahoma. You want to take a two-hour drive, man? Me and you. Boy, I'm learning more about you every day. I mean, I'm I'm happy for that, and that's great. Um, But I still think it just needs to be across the board. Every state, it just does. Every single state, it needs to be. I think. But the great thing about this is because all these appellate courts are coming to the same decision. Every one of them are stating the same thing. It's um, you know, right off the bat, civil rights, like we discussed, civil rights and equal protection. It, It it which is. When they got rid of the Defense of Marriage Act, that was one of the things that the Supreme Court stated was, you know, 14th Amendment. It's against the equal protections. So basically there's – even though they didn't rule on gay marriage, the Defense of Marriage Act, they did rule against that. So there's already sort of an established, you know, something to go off of there. If it did get to the point where the Supreme Court was going to have to make a ruling. And I think the problem is now, like – there's 11 more states right now that have, um, or no, not 11, seven more cases, I think, that are on tap to go to the Supreme Court for this. And like I said, they've already kicked this out, so they've already showed precedent. They don't want to have to deal with it. So all Yeah, these they public- want the states to fight the battles. Yeah, and so they're going to waste all their tax dollars. That's what all these fucking states are doing, fighting this all the way up. And it's going to get to the appellate courts. They're going to have to kick it out because, like I said, there's already a basically a you know there's a premise to go off of and so these are the next seven states that right now have decisions going through the court system and stuff that these will probably be the next ones to fall i pulled this off today so uh louisiana uh texas yay texas uh michigan arkansas um idaho kentucky and florida those all are on the fast track now going up the line so those will probably be the next ones to go and then after that, I mean, you're basically talking, what, 42 of the states? I mean, so it's just a matter of time before those other ones fall in line. The thing that's going to happen is you're going to see with the conservatives, because I was listening to them today on the radio and reading different things online, um, you know, where they're already planning on pushing this because they're saying, well, this is states' rights, states' rights. It's not states' rights thing because it's, you know, it's, like I said, you know, the equal rights, uh, the protections and stuff, those are all federal those are in the Constitution. There are amendments to our fucking Constitution. It's that supersedes state level bullshit, which they, I don't understand their point. They know this. I don't know why they keep fucking pushing it. So what you're going to see is they're going to keep writing this, writing it. Eventually, what's going to happen is all the states are going to pass a shit. But the thing is, in every state, the the laws are written differently. So the bad thing about that is because it's not equal. What's going to happen is they're going to keep fighting these cases, and eventually they're going to have to. The Supreme Court's going to have to step in and make a ruling to make it. Yeah, uniform. I, I'm I'm tired of them like not doing anything. I mean, they're being pussies about it. As far as I'm concerned, they just don't want to deal with it. I think what it is is because the Supreme Court is a conservative court, and they know that just the law is the law. I mean, you can't. There's no way around it. If they're going to have to rule in favor of it, and I think they just know there'll be such a backlash, you know, and stuff. So they're just pawning it off. They're like, yeah, we don't want to deal with it. Just let the appellate courts take Once care it, of it, if it actually just happened, I mean, I don't, I really don't think it would be that. Like, it'd be a big deal for like a week, and then I think everybody would just kind of get over it. I mean, no, one, they'd realize like, oh, there's a week of people getting married and having adoptions and all this stuff, and oh wait, the world hasn't ended. 
I'm not gay because my neighbor's gay and married. Like, <laughs> I think it'll finally sink in that hey, they're just people, just like everybody else. Like, what what does it matter? What's well, the big deal? I, I don't. I still don't understand it. And their marriage is just not as sacred as my fourth marriage. Well, yeah, <laughs> that too. It's like I I find it funny because I do know people that are talking about the sanctity of marriage and all this stuff, and I know that they cheat on their <clears throat> spouse. No. It's like, wait a minute. You, so you're talking about the sanctity of marriage and how it's a man and a woman, but you don't even hold your own vows to be true. Like, how are you any kind of person that can stand up against this and say it's a bad thing? Well, I have a lot of uh, expertise on that particular subject, and that person is a dick. Uh, <laughs> I would agree. What? what? Not looking at me. I'm awesome. I'm looking for number three myself. <laughs> 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 so sanctity of marriage my ass um i don't know i mean were we talking about michael actually now i'm now i'm i'm worried <laughs> yeah that guy's a fucking asshole i hope he dies and i, I stare at michael i mean i don't like i don't care sanctity of marriage traditional family blah 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 i mean all that is is that's code for you know we're homophobes and I, whatever i'm i'm fine if they're homophobic just come out and say you know what Fuck the gays. I don't like the gays. You know, I'm anti-fucking gay. That's why I don't want them fucking being happy and getting their way because it's an affront to <laughs> fucking... What? I mean, just be honest about it, you know? And, of course, like, first it was the whole state's rights issue and blah, 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 whatever. And then now it's really coming out. Like, I was telling Eric, you know, I I got a buddy and stuff, and he's real Christian conservative, and he was posting shit today about how, you know, this is... Uh, how this is an affront to, you know... It, it's basically like a war on the civil rights of Christians, like on their religious beliefs. And it's like, okay, but as soon as you bring religion into it, like you're saying these laws should be shot down because it's against your religion. You have no argument. You understand that. It's like, you, we don't base our laws on religion. Well, even still, if we did, <laughs> then we would have to accommodate Muslims and Sharia law. Yeah. Well, that's not going to fly. They're not going to allow that. I'm just saying like, you or, can't have it. Just your way. That's no, not or, how it fucking works. Or kill all of the Muslims in the country. Oh, because we're accommodating Christian law enough. Or just, uh, I don't know, let's say deport them. Just deport everybody. Deport, And while we're at it, let's just deport everyone who's just not white. Oh, you're married to somebody that's outside of your race? That's too bad. <laughs> we're going to deport your, your spouse. Like how... I don't understand. I don't understand where we have to draw. That's why... It's a conservative <clears throat> man's wet dream right there, man. I know. <laughs> get rid of the Muslims. Get rid of the gays. All the other colored people get deported. Yep. Hell yeah. You know what's funny is I would I would uh, pass that off as just you know, like hyperbole banter, but I have family members that are exactly like that, so I know that that's actually just true. That's just being South and racist. Well, it's like, you know, in the South before, um, like back even in the sixties, you know, up until what the mid sixties or something like the interracial marriage was illegal, you know, and like Virginia and shit. I think it was like one of the last, that's where the, whatever the fucking loving versus whatever, that was the case that, you know, made that. And it's funny because you get a lot of these Christians and stuff. And I guarantee you, like you're talking about interracial marriages. I guarantee you there's a lot of, you know, whites that are married to Hispanic women or blacks and whites married and stuff. And they're Christian families and they're anti, you know, they're very homophobic and they're anti-gay and stuff. It's like you're using your Christian beliefs and stuff to fight to keep these people from having the same equal rights protections that if it wasn't for them, you know, 
you wouldn't be able to get married now. Like, it, cause it was the same people. Then it was the white waspy Christians who didn't want, you know, races mixing and all that shit. It's like, it's the same prejudices and stuff. It's like how, you know, and it benefited you when those laws, you know, finally were banished and stuff or abolished. And then here you go. It's like, it's, it's the same fight. And they're now they well, they got the fucking yeah they got their torches out again. They're so that is against because it. at its very nature, conservatism is selfishness. It's the fucking you worst. only care about laws like that when they affect you, and when they don't, you just want everyone else to be miserable. I think the thing that pisses me off, especially like talking about my buddy or something, he brings up the Christianity thing, like oh this is an affront to my Christian beliefs, like this is attacking my Christian beliefs and stuff. It's like goddamn dude, it's like a, a gay. It's like I tried to say a gay person getting married doesn't take away from you being able to you know do the religion you want worship any way you want or anything it has no effect on your religion whatsoever but yeah we compare them to murderers yeah but you're using your religion to say these people shouldn't be allowed to get married and have the families and relationships they want to have because my belief doesn't want it's like are you fucking how are you, stupid are you that you don't fucking see that you know it's yeah. like and then you twist it in this fucking crazy way that's like, oh, it's a front to my religion. It's like, I just don't understand the fucking mindset, but what are you going to do? But anyway, that's a good thing. So that's what we got going on right now. It's the dick of the week. And keeping on the theme of dick of the week, as soon as this came out, my favorite senator and fellow Texan, Ted Cruz, of course, immediately after the appellate court or the Supreme Court kicked this shit out and said, yeah, we don't want to deal with that. That's a time bomb we don't want to touch. Um, Ted Cruz came out, and of course, the first thing he said was he was going to propose an amendment to the Constitution that prevent the federal government or the courts from nullifying state marriage laws, which, of course, like we said, you can't do. Federal government supersedes it. Federal laws, we have civil rights, like I said, equal protection. You can't overrule that. But he came out, and this is what he said. He said, traditional marriage is an institution whose integrity and vitality are critical to the health of any society. We should remain faithful to our moral heritage and never hesitate to defend it. The Supreme Court's decision to let rulings by lower court judges stand that redefine marriage in both, is both tragic and indefensible. And you know what this is? Not only him just being himself, the piece of shit he is, but this is nothing more than um, political posturing because, I mean, I don't know if people are aware of it. Of course, we've got elections for the midterms coming up here another month, but it's right after that you're going to start seeing everybody coming out, putting their hat in the ring for the presidential election next time, and this fucking cunt is going to be top of the list for Republicans, man, and he's trying to get in there right now because, you know, the conservative platform it's ran on, you know, God, guns, and gays. And the great thing about uh, gays is you can always put God in that mix. They just go together, <laughs> you know. So he's coming out and he's trying to get that social conservative vote. So he's trying to lock it up. It's like this has been brought up before, this whole we're going to pass an amendment. Sounds great. Yeah, we'll pass an amendment constitution. It's like, first of all, I don't think he understands how that worked. you got to get two-thirds of the vote in fucking Congress. Then you got to have to have two-thirds of the states ratify. It's like it can't happen. It's fucking lip service. So much fucking shit talking from these people. It's the same shit over and over and over. So I'm just, I just, I fucking hate Ted Cruz. He's the goddamn worst. And I just thought it was funny that of all the fucking conservatives, man, it took him literally like five minutes to get on a goddamn podium and start, you know, ripping on this. And he's proposing his constitutional amendment that will go nowhere. But like I said, 
Good posturing. It's a just typical political dickhead. <clears throat> just rallying up or, you know, getting all the fucking crazy idiots out there riled up for ultimately nothing. That's what they do best, man. That's what they do best. They are fucking organized, though. They bottom I will feed. give them that. They bottom feed. Yes, they do. They fear monger a lot, too. I'm really tired Well, they have that. to. It's, ju- it's just <clears throat> like churches and the whole hell thing. Like, you you don't really have a whole grasp on your congregation unless you have them in fear that if they don't do anything that you tell them, Hell. They will go to some Hell's terrible place. Here. Well, that's it's like, the same thing. Like with these fucking idiots who think that uh, gays getting married is a bad thing. They have to make it seem like all marriage and your family values will be completely dissolved if two guys get married. Yeah. That's, that's they, pretty they hyperbolic, have, right? They have to make it. Uh, they have to make it seem like it's going to end. Like marriages will just be some fluke easy thing and it's just whatever everybody getting married then you know your your family is meaningless slippery in this world slope. they yeah they, they have to come and that too they also have to do the slippery slope thing where it's like well what do you do about pedophiles what do you do about bestiality what do you do about this <laughs> they bring up these like completely absurd uh comparisons but how they many, have to go. How many human go, beings are actually trying to fuck animals right they now? They have to. I'm you'd sure be surprised. Of, I'm sure, a lot. <laughs> go on the internet. But they. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. But they have to go to that extreme to get people to to fear and to get people, you know, so riled up about it that they're going to come out and vote for this guy because they don't want the other t- thing to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's. I don't know. Not anybody, no, no one's trying to marry a turtle, though. Every Not yet. Every major... I'm pretty sure there are some people that want to marry their turtles. But um, I, every major organization does it. I mean, every political organization, every company does it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know uh, how many different companies you guys have exposure to, but, I mean, some of them, they do have almost, like, brainwashing kind of mentalities where they just try and hammer in their, you know, 12 quality steps or something like that you know to fucking just like somehow turn you into this perfect model being of whatever they're trying to accomplish and it's like well our core values you say that but then at the top of your corporate ladder you make the decisions that undermine exactly what you're talking about how am i supposed to believe in anything that you're fucking talking about you know for example if they have a part of their mission statement is quality Yet they're going to undercut funding for waste management in the inks that they use in their shirts, and it just dumps into a river. Well, now what kind of quality are you building for the environment that you're around? You're undermining your own core value. Not if you don't get caught. Or when you, uh, <laughs> well, order, yeah. Or when you order a steak and it's actually eight ounces, but you put on your menu ten ounces. <laughs> Um, very specific. I am very specific. <laughs> and Eric knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because I've seen the orders, bitch. Oh, my God. And I was very upset. Oh, my God. Sounds like there's some shit that people are not going to understand that's going on here right now. <laughs> nope. Fear-mongering, man. That's that's our favorite thing right now. Election time. Fear-mongering everything. Ebola. The fucking Mexicans coming We're across. All, I remember somebody said, I don't remember who Trained it was, but it was a Republican who said that because of the training that's going on in Mexico, uh, we're all going to die because there's like Muslims in Mexico that are going to come over the border. 
Oh, that was kill us all. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a uh, fuck me. Uh, Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey yeah. Graham. He was talking about ISIS. He said if we don't get control of ISIS, if we don't, basically we don't put ground troops down and t- wipe them out, then we are all going to die over here. <laughs> That's what he said. And it's uh, you know <laughs> CNN and all the cable organizations talking dude, about the SARS so dude awful. going mm-hmm. crazy about the SARS stuff. Yes. And trying to get people all riled up about that. Uh, so something all the time, man. They gotta make that money. Mm-hmm. Right, so so the one guy's had SARS, right? The one guy. You talking about SARS or Ebola? Ebola, whatever. The yeah, the it's one all, guy. I, I can't one. I can't H one N one SARS <laughs> Ebola. The one guy. SARS is like a decade ago, dude. Come on, man. Yeah. I don't fucking. Come they fear monger this shit so much. I get it all confused. <laughs> I don't know. Look, the guy had Ebola. He was one guy, yes. and he died. No, and he turned into a zombie, oh, okay. and he came back, and he started eating children. Oh my god! What? And that's where no, we I don't are think right any now. of that happened. Okay, so be, since that one guy's <laughs> come back, I saw a satire article. Has that was exactly there has there been any? They haven't. Else? No, they've taken a lot of precautions because he was in contact with some kids. So they, yeah. they probably. I'm just saying, the anybody that he was in contact with, have anybody, any of them? Not that I've heard. They said that right now they should. They right now, if people that he came in contact, they're monitoring like forty some people. They said of those people right now, none of them are showing symptoms. Even like he was in an apartment with like his fiance and other family members they were there with him in the apartment they're yeah. not even showing signs of it yet i mean they said at that this point they'd probably scrub the apartment and they've the places already he'd been yeah they've scrubbed it they've taken everything out of it i mean it's basically hazardous waste they've moved that shit out they said that but like i said they're keeping contact on all these people how is he doing is he recovering he well, was in critical they? condition the last time i heard yeah, right? he was in critical i think they said he's out of critical but he's still not doing well. He's not just, doing well. Just a side note. Now, I know it's, you know, the media hypes it up and all that stuff. <clears throat> but, I mean, really, this guy, what a fucking dickhead. Oh, yeah. What a fucking piece of shit. Like, I understand. If I was in Libya and I Liberia. touched Liberia, God damn it, wherever. Um, Picking up songs in <laughs> Libya. If I. And hookers and AIDS. Was there and I. Like held some pregnant lady who I knew had Ebola, Rubbing and then her. I started to feel sick. Mm-hmm. I understand wanting to get the hell out because obviously in Africa it's not exactly the greatest place to get a deadly disease. You know they so, have good medical care there, so I understand to do that. So I get it. Get on the plane. Get over here. Once you get off the plane. Find anybody in authority and be like, you need to hold all those people fucking hostage and you need to get me to the hospital. I think I have Ebola. Like immediately. Like you don't fucking. Not, not like go home and you like, don't well, hang hey, around honey, with your family. You, you don't fucking go through your daily routine just because you're a piece of shit moronic asshole. Yeah. What a fucking moron. Well, he lied on it because they give him a questionnaire and they ask him if they've been in contact. He lied on all that. So, yeah, he's a, he's a piece of shit. There's no doubt about it. And he's fucked. Even if he heals from this, like, Liberia has already got... They want to charge him. Oh, yeah, he's being charged. We should charge him. He, he's, yeah, he, he he's fucked. I mean, even if he gets through this. But the thing about it was, like, he did come back and as soon as he started running a temperature and feeling bad, he went to the hospital... The hospital, I mean, he tells them, yeah, I just got back from fucking Liberia. I got this, you know, temperature, blah, blah, blah. The hospital just released him. Like, he doesn't have insurance, so that's our medical system still. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Just, uh, yeah, just get the fuck out of here. So, like, he was at the fucking hospital. They checked him out. Oh, yeah. Knew he had come from fucking bad. Liberia, which is, like, the 
top two or three yeah yeah, fucking hotbeds for this and you think all these hospitals because it's been such a huge thing in the news that they went over this with these people and they said they did but the nurse that let him go like evidently she fucking was sick that day or something she didn't get that she didn't get that fucking she didn't get that memo she didn't get the memo about this giant disease terrorizing the world plain and simple he didn't have insurance. So the hospital is quite a bit to blame. I mean, as far as, like, if it were to have spread, you know, if they end up getting a handful of cases after the fact, I mean, this fucker's in a lot. Oh, yeah, the he, hospital should he's have shaker. gotten into trouble as well, and everybody but, who got in yeah. contact with him knew about the stuff and let him go, absolutely. Uh, and there should be probably Ultimately, he, 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 he does need to serve some kind of punishment for it, I believe. I, I would agree. Because you're, you're putting... I mean, you're, you're, that's, that's, you're potentially putting, yeah, you're potentially putting an entire country at risk because you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. 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 I don't know about country, but yeah, dude, the way that we commute Mm -hmm. and how quickly move, it's not like Africa where you had to travel like fucking forever to find another village of 30 people. It's, I don't know if it's like that. I've never been myself. But we have our, our ease of access for commu- uh, for being mobile is a lot better than it is in Africa. Well, if I get a bowl, I'm not going to tell you guys. I'm going to come over here and hang out with you guys and lick everything in here. So a communicable disease like that can spread much more rapidly if it catches fire. Yeah. Just but saying. Like I said, I think. It, it, yes, I believe that part of the reason why a lot of people didn't get it from him is because of our sanitation and the way just you know how we operate so yeah i mean it's not like everybody's out of the woods yet but i mean it's, oh, it's been yeah, yeah it's, it's been, been a, a couple, i haven't heard anybody freaking out about it in it's a been a days. couple of weeks and they <clears throat> said that they've been monitoring these people like constantly like they're I taking have, their temperature i have a, a shit pile a of friends that are that uh are like seriously concerned we're all gonna die and stuff yeah. like, really anyway, guys come okay. on anybody got anything else nope okay fuck it Come on, say Seven, something smart, ass eight, bitch. Five, Hurry up. Four, three, two, one. Suck it. <laughs>